0: All right, this is going to be a, <laughs> because of time, this will probably be a two-part deal here. So if you're, if you're looking for the end, you might have to wait till next week because I don't believe I'm going to be able to get through it. But um, first, I want to make sure that Jordan's not in here because I'm about to talk about her. Yeah, she's in children's church. Jordan has discovered a cookbook <coughs> in our kitchen, and she's started to cook from it. It's really neat to see her cook. And she's, if you know Jordan, she's a little tiny. We call her Tink. She's just really small like you could just pick her up she's so tiny she's been reading this cookbook and cooking for us and she's made a few different things Um, and she follows the ingredients the the chart and she'll run next door to grandma's house and get some supplies and come back over because we don't do a ton of cooking normally we're we're running around and we just eat out all the time we buy groceries and watch them go bad while we eat out all week I don't know if anybody else does that it's ridiculous but so anyway she started cooking well she cooked about three or four things and um, all three or four things she's followed the instructions and gone through it and she's been happy the whole time dancing around and laughing like she does and, and she gives it to them and she gives it to us and she tastes them and um, they're interesting <laughs> interesting flavors that she creates and I don't know what's going on because we genuinely just let her do it we're not as involved as we probably should be um, but we let her cook <clears throat> we let her cook and uh, so what happens is I don't know if she replaces the sugar with salt or what but the fudge was interesting flavor. It was salty, and, and I don't know what's going on. The cookies were about the same. But but what's great is to just see her involved in cooking and bringing us the food, and she's excited. And um, I started thinking about that as I was, I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today. I, I kind of kept coming back to that. And, you know, we haven't gotten on to her about it. We haven't, like, been upset with her about it. And we try to, you know, act like it's good until she discovers it's not. And we're like, well, you know, we'll try again next time. And uh, what I think is great about that is is when you, when you begin to discover, and this is how I learned about the father's love, because I didn't have a dad around, a father figure around, so I learned it in reverse. Um, when I had kids, I began to understand how big a deal it is to love someone greater. You just have a greater love for someone else than yourself. And so I learned in reverse, that's how God loves us. And so I began to discover that even with her cooking, I mean, I, I don't want to break her heart, right? And she's obviously making some mistakes somewhere. <laughs> and so uh, as I was going through scripture and talking about um, talking about how God loves us, I began to see that in her, and we'll get to that in just a minute. If you will, uh, turn with me to John 1.14. Uh, and this is uh, really giving us a good picture of who Jesus is. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And this is basically just saying Jesus is God. This is talking about how awesome Jesus is and how he was from the beginning of time. He was written into this whole story. Verse 16, And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Basically, he has made him known. So Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. The Father is in him. He is in, he is in the Father. And he is a demonstration of who God is. Now, there's, there's a couple misconceptions. We may be able to get to a few of them. One of them um, I hear a lot, especially when people begin to, to uh, kind of deter or attack grace, uh, what they call hyper-grace teaching, is that law needs to balance out grace. I don't know if you, has anybody ever heard that? That grace is good, but we need to balance it with law. <clears throat> well, the problem is that's not at all what that says right there. Verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace, but grace and truth came through. Grace and truth are going the same direction. People try to throw truth on the other side with law, and that's not what it's talking about. Law was not bad, law was good, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Grace is truth, and the truth is grace. These aren't these aren't exclusive, mutually exclusive things. These things go in the same direction. So what he's saying is the law came through Moses, it was good, but it didn't have the power to make you good grace and truth came through Jesus, it carries the power to make you good. Not just make you good, but make you alive. Because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, he came to make dead people alive. And so it's much more radical and much more um, supernatural than just making bad people good. There's a miracle that happens when we reach salvation and it, and it changes us forever, right? This isn't just a, a, a behavior modification. This is an inward transformation of Christ with us and us with him because of Jesus. So, what I see here starts in, in that Jesus was full. He, come from, he came from the Father, in verse 14, uh, full of grace and truth. And it goes on to say that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what I find is we have this, this grace and truth, and he, he, he mentions it for a reason. And I go back to, to Jordan. Um, she's missing a few of the ingredients, right? But she has really good intentions. She wants to make some delicious food. She even has the book in front of her, right? She has the instructions even, but she's made a mistake. Here's where we beat ourselves up when we make mistakes. The the problem is, especially on on a pastoral level, everyone thinks that they're right. Right? Nobody's going to say, "Well, uh, I'm reading this out of context." I've never heard a pastor say, "I'm going to go ahead and read this out of context so I can back up what I want to say." Right? (laughs) I've never heard that in any church. Every church you go to, the pastor's going to say, "I'm reading this in context," and 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 from the heart, I'm sure all of us believe that we are. But I'll tell you right now, I make mistakes just like anybody else. I mean, this is important. I don't intend to, and I hope not to lead you astray, but at the same time, I'm not perfect in everything that I do because I falter sometimes, even with the best intentions. Just like Jordan wants to make good food, she has the instruction, she has the heart to do it, and I'm not going to chastise her for that, and I don't think God's going to chastise us for making mistakes. This is where grace comes in. This is where grace says, I see what you're trying to do. I really do. How does he see it? Because he's with us, right? How does he see it? He's not distant. He's not distancing himself, himself every time we make mistakes. If anything, he is drawing nearer to us to say, look, I want to show you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk to you. I want to commune with you. Uh, the word bosom here is interesting because we, I don't want to ask you because we'll get lots of different things, but when we think of bosom, we think of, of chest or breast, right? Bosom, um, well, bear with me. Uh, there's going to be some giggles. We'll get through it. Bear, bear fruit, the bear and the pineapple. Okay, Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus came from the bosom of the Father. He came from the, the bosom. In the Greek, means there are two two terminologies they use. One was they would they would scoop up their um, their uh what do they call that thing? Cloak? Not cloak. I want to call it a cloak. They would scoop up their uh God. What is it called? I just lost robe. They would scoop up their robe, and it was close to their their chest, what they would call bosom. But the, the main thing was it was uh, close to the heart, close to the chest. It's a uh, Bosom, um, in this context and in the context we're going to read in a minute, um, is is close to the heart. is is uh, a, a, a sign of union. So when we say bosom here, it's a they they are together. Okay, does that make sense? So when I say when I say bosom, remember that that's what it's talking about. It's an intimate term that's very close. It's a union coming from the closest. It's like uh, John who <laughs> continues to call himself Jesus' favorite, the one whom Jesus loved. He writes of of himself, which I think is hilarious and awesome. Um, but he said he was resting on on jesus bosom so he was literally had his head on his chest that's how close he was and this is, this is important because a, a lot of uh, church after i got saved when i was 20 a lot of church that I st- a lot of the churches that i went to um after i became close to god began to distance him from me i don't know if you've ever witnessed that and not a, with all, with good intentions as well began to create this distance of everything that i you know that grace was enough to save me but now everything i did wrong was going to get god farther and farther away and i had to make up the difference and it was this this uh uh donkey with the with the carrot thing where I could, ne- could never keep up. And it was exhausting. And I could never minister to anybody else because I was trying to make myself right when Christ had already done it. Amen. It's a very frustrating position to be in to try to be somewhere that you already are. It's like my kids tugging, Dad, I want to be in your presence. You are <laughs> chill out. <laughs> uh, and so there's there's this uh, there's this truth that comes when we realize that we're close. I know I make a lot of hand gestures. I can't talk without my hands but but there's a closeness when we talk about bosom that's that's that we're we are close to God and God is close to us. It's it's what he's always wanted. <laughs> so Jesus dwelt among us, but when he left, and we're not gonna go into the scriptures we talked a little bit about it last week, when he left he said, It is to your benefit that I go. And the and the disciples said, Noah. Uh. <laughs> that's what my kids say. They add an A at the end of no. Noah. Uh. Brian always says it because the youth say it all the time, Noah. Uh. No, he built an ark. Stop saying that. Just say no. But the disciples said, no, we want you to stay with us. Why? They wanted to be close to Jesus. They felt him in, in the flesh, and they, they could rest their head on his bosom, and it was real to them, right? He said, you don't understand. Where I go, you can't go. He began to explain all these to and they're like, we don't understand what you're saying, but we want you to stay with us. It's, it's to your benefit that I go, because I'm going to send a comforter, right? This is where my hiccup with the whole comfort zone thing is, and I know that's another... Another complete sermon. Listen, the the Holy Spirit is a comforter, not an uncomforter. He's not trying to get you out of your comfort zone. He's making you comfortable wherever you go. It's outside of your circumstances, okay? Yes, you may step into something that you're not used to, but that's just because of your personality, and that can change. So chill out. (laughs) The Holy Spirit keeps you comfortable even in the midst of absolute turmoil. Libby is a perfect example. Libby, I mean, right after she breaks four ribs, has the biggest smile on her face and is just as happy as she can be. And it was part narcotics and part Holy Spirit. <laughs> she will admit. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I'm telling you, even, I don't, I've don't. i never had broken ribs, but I hear it's very painful. So I can imagine even even with medicine, to have that kind of joy in the midst of it is amazing. Um, I could go through I, I keep thinking of people. I want to point all you out, but I'm not going to do it. Several other of you have demonstrated that in the midst of absolute chaos. Um, I can remember even a time, and I don't want to get too far off, but I, I want to say this. Even in a, in a time when Tracy and I were dealing with some serious uh, financial issues, um, there were people in this church that were going through things, in in our opinion and probably most people's opinion, much worse than what we were going through, that helped us and ministered to us and prayed for us and loved us um, in many different ways. Um, and that just, just blows my mind. But that's that's what the Holy Spirit does in people. It, it, it creates an atmosphere that is not intimidated by everything that's going on around them, but begins to adjust the things that are going on around them. So what happens and I'm getting ahead of myself, but what happens is when the Holy Spirit begins to permeate our flesh, which is what it does, it's, it's very, it's a very good thing, we begin to um, add to relationships instead of taking away from them. So, our, so our, our mindset changes. That's why the Bible says to renew your mind. He comes to live in our hearts. Another misconception. I've got tons of misconceptions here. But I was taught that our, our heart is our emotions and our mind is our logic. Um, but that's not what Scripture teaches, and that's not even what um, the, the medical terms are. The heart is actually where Christ lives, and he renews our mind out. That's why we don't be careful of the eyes, what you hear, ears, what you see, whatever it is. Um, We don't do that. Ears, what you see. Be careful of the ears, what you see. Because now, and especially with our kids, and this is important too with our kids, we teach our kids listen, they are influencers of those people that are around them, not the other way around. We don't want them to be influenced by their surroundings, but the opposite. They change the atmosphere when they go in. So we, we want to empower our kids to move in the Holy Spirit, not to run away from everything and hide. It's my whole beef with the keeping prayer out of schools. You can't keep prayer out of schools unless you get all the kids out of schools because kids are going to pray. You can't stop them. The Holy Spirit doesn't go, oh, I can't come in school. <laughs> the school. Rule, the rules say I can't come in the school. All right, that's another thing. All right, I've chased that rabbit way too far. Luke, <laughs> let's get back to bosom. You can quote me on that. All right, Luke six thirty-eight. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it will be put into your bosom. How many of you heard that talk about money? Raise your hands. Right. Give, and you're going to get so much you're not going to be able to hold it. Right. You can make that pocket they were talking about, and it's just going to bust out because you're going to get so much money. Y'all heard that? That's not at all what that scripture's talking about. That's, that's a ploy to try to get you to give more money, essentially, is all it could be, because that's not at all what it's talking about. Um, the cool thing is the key word here is bosom, and that's where I got back to. Uh, and we're going to go to Luke six twenty seven. So we're going to read before it and after it to, to try to gain some context. So we're going to back up and then move forward. So Luke six, 6 twenty seven says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Let's stop there. I want to backtrack a little bit. How many of you have tried that system of, of giving so that you can get so much that it's busting out? How many, how many of, the, of you has that worked? Sorry. Why is that? Because there's a, there's a, there's a law at work there, too. Because if you're, if you're trying to get something, then you've missed the whole point. This is my whole spiel about jewels in heaven. If you're trying to gain mansions and jewels... Um, and I, I had a discussion with my friend about it, and I was like, well, why, would you, why, do, why are you nice to people? Why do you help people? And so he finally got to, well, you'll get jewels in heaven. So selfish ambition, right? I mean, if, if we're, let's get, let's get, we're going to chase that, let's go all the way to the end. So if, if you're going to do good things on earth so that you can gain things in heaven, then you're being selfish. I mean, there's no way around it. You can argue with it if you want to, but that's all it is. But this is what it's talking about. This is the opposite of, of what, what I was taught about giving. It says, Love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those that curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Verse 29, To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other. And for him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold uh, your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as, as you want men to do to you, you also do to them Likewise, Verse thirty-two. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. This is going back to the selfish ambition thing. Anybody can do things and expect something in return. That's transactional. Mm-hmm. And if you do, verse thirty-three. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. It's basic principles. You do for me, I do for you. This is how I grew up um, with with business and this is how I grew up with um, emotional transactions and relational transactions when I was younger I do for you and whether I say it or not you owe me and, and we still fall into that trap sometimes verse 35 and I could hang out here forever because this is my favorite verse 35 but love your enemies do good and lend hoping for nothing in return let that sink in give hoping nothing in return and your reward will be great And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I'm going to read that again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. And he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I keep coming back to the message Brian preached about uh, kind of my idea of R&D, but he took it and, and explained it much better than even I did. <clears throat> if you want patience, what must you first receive? Patience. If you want to truly love people unconditionally you have to receive unconditional love from the father listen if you want to live a life that is outside of of even your own understanding you have to give up understanding sometimes and you have to receive things that you don't deserve so that you can give things that other people don't deserve this is radical living in our culture big time once again i see it all the time we saw it at the yard sale we had people stealing from our yard sale Smooth stole some trinkets from our yard sale. It's okay. I mean, maybe they need it worse than we do. But here's the thing we've, we've got on this, this, this boat, whether it's either or, but it's really both and. We were raising money for missions in Honduras. That's what we raised it for. We have a ministry over there that we've connected with. We take a trip once a year to Honduras and we minister to those people. People say, well, We need to help people here in the United States, not over there. Yeah. I agree. We do. <laughs> we connected with several ministries that are already doing a great job. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. The, the children's home, uh, I've got a great friend, Dana, grew up in the children's home. Um, we minister to the children's home locally. We connect with people all over our city to try to minister to people. We do outreaches at Christmas to the Waffle Houses to the hospitals, and we reach out to people locally and people in Honduras. <laughs> it's not They're humans too, by the way. There's not... There's a, uh, a stake we all seem to want to drive in the ground that we're right and people are wrong. But the goal for Christ was relationship. Everything, everything he stepped into had that in mind. was reconciliation and relationship, and we should do the same. You should go into every relationship that you have looking for a, a good, deep, foundational relationship and reconciliation always. Amen. You would be the life of the party. I promise you. Verse 37, do not judge, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, does that sound like it's talking about money? At all? And everything that we've just read, does it sound like it's talking about money? It's not. What is our reward? It goes back to, you'll be sons of the Most High. That's your reward how we've lessened our reward to money. (laughs) I mean, you can get a big casket and fill it up with money if you want to, but somebody's gonna come dig it up and take it. We've lessened our eternal joy with temporary joy. (laughs) Money's not bad, don't get me wrong. We all need money. These are the things we've talked about, but they're all passing away. The things we can enjoy with money, we can give to other people. We went shopping. I always look at at life. This this is a cool thing about the Holy Spirit is he doesn't... (laughs) He doesn't check out all the time. He's always there. So when we, when we went shopping, we went and, and spent some money on our kids to buy gifts for our kids. And we also helped. We, we ran into a homeless guy, and we gave him some money. And it was cool because it was a teaching moment because our kids said, well, how do we know he's not lying and just, you know, what if he's not homeless? That's not for, for me to decide. This is something Lonnie taught me back way back when we were doing a lot of servant evangelism. We can, we can love unconditionally. I don't have to have strings on it. I, I, don't have, I don't have to have hooks in it. We can just minister. We can love. We can just love people. That's okay. So what this, I believe this is talking about the same thing with the bosom. We go back to, to uh, let's see, where were we? Verse 35, but love your enemies, do good, and land, hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. So it's saying right here, listen, the closeness of, of Christ to God is the same closeness that we have to God because he's made it that way. That's an amazing thing because we were enemies of God and Christ came and made us not enemies of God anymore. <laughs> now we're friends. The same thing I saw in worship, the, the, the righteousness that he's clothed, clothed us with is not a new idea. It was from the beginning of time. <laughs> it's not like God's angry and then Jesus made it right. God's angry and then God and Jesus who are the same made it right because he wanted us to have relationship. All right, I'm going to... S- See how far I can skip here without m- making it not make any sense. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump over to Hebrews one. And we'll jump down to three. Hebrews one three. I know I'm messing Mike up because I gave him the scriptures earlier, but I'm kind of moving around a little bit. Hebrews uh, 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So Christ is seated at the right hand of God um, and he is superior to the angels. Uh, this is who Jesus is. What did we receive when we received Jesus? We were heirs and co-heirs with Christ, right? Now, here's what's happened when I first began to discover this. A lot of the teachings that I heard early on were, well, yeah, that's when you die and go to heaven, you'll be seated with Christ. But we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms now. Heaven's not as far as you think. Heaven's actually in your heart. And that's why Jesus is constantly saying, you don't get it, and the disciples are saying, what is heaven like or how is it? And he's like, it's not what you think. (laughs) He's saying, listen, I'm making a deposit in your heart, and you now carry heaven with you everywhere you go. This is why we get a new body when we get to heaven, but we don't get a new soul. Our soul continues on. That's why heaven starts now and continues on. When you pass away, you just change zip codes. You get a new body, which we all need, specifically me. So the sun is a radiance of God's glory and the exact representation. So what is the Holy Spirit in us? We're radiant glory in God's representation on earth. We are ambassadors for Christ on earth. We are walking, talking holy temples. (laughs) That's what we always talk about in here. You are the temple of God. Wherever you go, it says, if you go and join yourself to a harlot, listen, Christ goes with you. Don't do that. (laughs) But he's not leaping out of your body when you make a mistake. He's saying, listen, this is not who you were created to be. Your identity is in Christ. And uh, I love Steve Eden says, uh, the truth about you is what God says about you. It's even above your own conscience, the Bible says. So, when we begin to try to minister to people, we have to discover what we have, and the truth about us is what God says about us, and that is radically different than what a lot of us think about ourselves. First uh, John four seventeen says, "Love has been perfected among us in this way, <clears throat> that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we." Where in this world? Listen, there's a, there was a, a huge movement with with eschatology and and I'm not going to get too deep into the end times again, but uh, of, of everybody just hiding and being scared and afraid, and I, I skipped the scripture that talked about fear, and there's no there's, there's perfect love drives out fear. Listen, you don't need to get a bunker and be afraid and wait for you to be snatched out of this earth because that's not what you're designed for. Amen. And you want to know why? I'm about to tell you why. <laughs> As he is, so are we in this world. That's the first part. I will get to the end. I'm going to skip and get to the end because it's so good. All right, John 17, 15, he prays for his disciples and us. He says, my prayer is not that you take them. He's ta- this, is, this is Jesus talking to his father about the disciples and he's going to go on to talk about us, okay? John 17, 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them... I sanctify myself that they may too be truly sanctified. Now he goes on, my prayer is not for them alone, not just the disciples, but now he's talking about you. I pray also for, <clears throat> for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory, God, listen to this, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be as one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have what loved them, even as you have loved me. Let that sink in. God loves you like he loves Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve that kind of love. Not, a, not even a little bit. What does Jesus' perfect love prompt you to do? Does it prompt you to sin? Anybody? Does, it, does anybody say, you know what? Jesus went out of his way to die for me, to forgive me of sins and give me a brand new life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and take advantage of that. <laughs> this is my, my thing with, with me and Tracy. We've been married for, oh, I don't want to mess this up, 17 years. That <laughs> was off the cuff. Bonus points for me. We've been married for 17 years, and, and nothing of, of Tracy's kindness or love for me has prompted me to, to do wrong to her, to hurt her. Right? That's basic logic. Nothing to me says, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of her. <laughs> because that seems like the logical thing to do. Because she's so good to me, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go and, and mess it all up. And that's never prompted me to do that. How much more if Christ has transformed me who... I absolutely did not deserve his love, has given me a new life and has blessed me beyond any... Listen, I should not be here. I should have been dead a long time ago. Many, many times was I supposed to, supposed to be dead. But Christ has blessed me to be here for some reason. And I believe the reason is to declare his goodness in the land of the living. Not to, to run and hide and wait for him to come snatch me out of this evil world. He says right here, My prayer is not that you take them out of this world. Oh, Lord, please just get me out of here. No. (laughs) You should be saying, Lord, who can I reach for you today? Who can I care for? Who can I build a relationship? Because ultimately that's the goal. Listen, I promise you, your goal is not to prove somebody else wrong and to prove that you're right. The goal is to build relationships with people so that they can have a relationship with your Father, your Heavenly Father. That's the greatest gift you can give this season. I'm going to turn this into a Christmas message. (laughs) It's the greatest gift you could give. Listen, the, the, and we continue saying here, the sign to me of a, of a, of a healthy church is, is deep and meaningful good relationships, not the number of people, not the amount of giving or the, or the building projects or how we're represented. Listen, if we have good healthy relationships in here, this church will flourish. It always will. And it's the very thing, thing that I felt uh, the enemy was attacking last week was relationship. Listen, our jewels are relationships. It's the only thing that's going to carry on outside of this earth, you're not anything that you that you invest in this earth is going to stay here, except for the relationships that you build and the relationships that you re uh, that you reinstate with the Father. Those will continue forever. So, if you want jewels in heaven, it's not selfish ambition. It's joy because you get it. You get it when you give it. <laughs> the The neat thing about the joy that that Christ gives us is it's not limited by our knowledge. It's not limited by our understanding even sometimes. It's good that we understand it's not wrong. Um, It's not limited by our circumstances. It's not limited by finances or troubles. Real joy is not limited by any of those things. Real joy comes from the inside out. Love has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Listen, if we can continue to renew our minds to that every day, your life will be better, I promise you. And this is not a get your life better scheme. It's just a byproduct of knowing the Father. Listen, my kids benefit from me all the time. (laughs) They have groceries. They have toys or whatever it is. They have gadgets. It's not about the things, but because they're close to me, they benefit from me. Why? Is it because of, of what they do? How, how is my love for them? Is it because of what they do for me or because of who they are? It's because of who they are. That's how God sees you. It's not because of what you can do for him, but because of who you are. And you were sons. That is your reward, that you were sons and you were holy and heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Stand up with me. We're going uh, to pray. I want to, I don't do many challenges because most of the time I think they're kind of silly, but I do want to kind of challenge you. Uh, as most of us leave and either, we either go to restaurants or we go hang out with family or something, um, I've discovered that there's a lot less coincidences in my life than I thought there were when I was growing up. Yes.
1: Can I have a, I've, I've waited all service, but I really feel like I, I wanted to just sure. share this because you're talking about the bosom of the father. Yeah. Um, let me just step out and illustrate for a second. Y'all, y'all heard me uh, uh, two or three weeks ago talking about how my father floated down from the choir loft in his robe and put his <laughs> arm around me. Um, well, my dad's actually here. Dad, where are you? Can you come here for a second? I'm I'm just blessed to have my father with me today. <clears throat> let's, just, let, let's come over here where everybody can see us. When I was seven years old, the bosom of my father came to about. About right here. <laughs> it's it's a great bosom, and I remember there was no more secure, no more comfortable um, place in my life than hugged right. Now. I, remember, I I have vivid memories. I mean, I was right about. His arms around me, I mean, it's it's funny now. You have no idea how powerful that was yeah. to have my head right here against the chest of this loving man. And it was this loving man who floated down in his choir robe. <laughs> I told the story about when I was waiting for the altar call that Sunday, he came down put his arm around me and my twin brother. And right next to this bosom, we walked up to the altar and met Jesus. So the, I don't want to make an illustration out of his tummy, but too late, too late. But it's too late. But the, the bosom of your father, the bosom of God, it's like that.
0: It's the most secure
1: place you can be. Yeah, And, uh, I'm sorry, I just had to share No,
0: that's good. Sorry. Sometimes we need a physical, yeah. We need a physical understanding and representation of that. That's awesome. It cracks me up because <laughs> you have a mic in your pocket. You're like, I want to say something. perfect. <laughs> you're always welcome to say something, but I just think it's funny. Where'd that mic come from? Usually your voice I'm is so amplified. Here. I'll tell you one other thing, and, and, and <laughs> we had a little technical dif- difficulties with an amp we're going to fix, but also with the... Uh, a wire, but I'm, I'm fine um, with, with Lydia dancing so much that she breaks her mic. I'm okay with that. We need to get her a cordless mic. So, Anyway, no, there's a, there is a thank you for that. There, there is a and especially in our culture, especially of manly men, you know, we don't want to talk like this, but listen, there is a, a desire I always had for a father that I didn't have a father around that you were, you were blessed with. And there is a, a need where especially those of us that grew up without a father figure never admit especially when i was younger because i wanted to be a tough guy you know Um, but as i got older and realized that i'm i don't have anything to prove i desperately wanted a father i desperately wanted a dad to to be next to me and and, you know i've said before work on you know when i'd work on cars to to take the wrench from me and say let me help you with that son let me let me be there with you and so i could have a father that i could i could rest my head on his bosom Um, but i never had that when i was younger but now the father has shown me Uh, jordan just specifically i guess today um ever since several months ago when she asked me to give her big hugs she said daddy don't give me big hugs anymore and i was like i guess i just give her small hugs i guess and so now uh i've made it a point every time she hugs me i hold her longer and i hug her tighter because she's she's expressed to me that she desires uh, a longer bigger hug from her dad and i want to give her that it's a very simple thing listen our heavenly father is no different our Heavenly Father, there are times when you give him a side hug and you move on, and there's times where you're like, Dad, I need you to give me a big hug. <laughs> um, I just need it. And that's how good he is. He doesn't criticize you because the cookies don't taste good, because you, you didn't say the right prayer, or, you didn't, or you, didn't, you didn't quote the right scripture, you didn't have the right key to get into his house. Listen, my kids don't have to ask me to come into the cupboard and eat. They don't have to ca- ask me to come into our house. They, they, they know that they're secure. They know they have... Uh, provision they know that they 're going to be taken care of. this is how your father is to you. You can go up and say lord i just I just need to hug you right now <laughs> that 's what I need right now. I just need to hug you um, i don 't understand what 's going on i don 't know i don 't know how this is going to end i 'm not fully sure about anything at this point, but I need you and that 's where that 's a good place to be and from that place is when transformation happens because we know that we have a loving father Lord, I just thank you that that Lord, as a church, we um, we are just a, a body of people. We, we kind of joke around about being misfits in here. Most of us have been uh, have been hurt by people or or some of us have been hurt by churches and, and been crushed and our hearts have been broken. But, Lord, I just thank you that you're gracious enough, to, gracious enough to mend them, Lord, to meet us right where we are and go, you know what, I don't want you to give up on me. Um, I'm bigger than a system. I'm bigger than just a uh, a religious system, I want a relationship with you. So, Father, I thank you that that relationship is paramount to you and to us. And so, Father, help us to bring that truth to everyone we come in contact with, Lord. Help us to, uh, to express your love for people. Lord, to be secure <laughs> in who we are in you and the righteousness that you died and paid for. You didn't say it was kind of finished. You said it is finished. Lord, you made a public spectacle, spectacle of everything that we, uh, that we fear. And now we can have pure joy. Lord, we we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.